live here. Blue Coyote Podcast. Got Paul Dolsky from Haunted Vermont. Um, Vermont Investigations of Paranormal Activity, amongst other things, man. How are you doing? Good. How about you? Doing well. Um, so what we kind of do with this is I like to kind of get a chronological order of, you know, what it is you do and how that came to be and then kind of get into your experiences and what's happened and how, you know, you use that to support your life. So just give us a little description of how this all came to be. So when I was little, I had my own experiences. Plus my father was kind of into the whole paranormal thing. So he would tell me these interesting stories, I guess you could say, of like Bigfoot and UFOs and stuff like that. And then, um, it kind of went into, like, watching Ghost Hunters on TV, and then it was just like, at first I was like, um, well, this might be entertainment, but then I started like, uh, to really experience uh, some unexplained phenomena in my life, so I was like, hmm, maybe this isn't, like, just entertainment on TV, so that's basically how I wanted to go out there and try to do my own type of work to really see for sure if it would really like legit do you want to give us an example of what some of that experience was that made you really start to question um alternate reality you could say so um when i was little and back at my old like original house when i where i grew up and all that jazz um I could always remember, like, our attic had the weirdest noises at night, and it almost felt like somebody was playing, like, a card game or something, like, up up in the attic. It was kind of weird, because, and what I mean by that is, like, it was, like, sounding like a group of people, and it was, like, chatter back and forth, almost like they were just playing some type of card game. But I never really asked, like, you know... My folks just there was something weird about the attic, but um, and then another time when I was little, this this one I still can't really quite figure out. Um, there was one time I had like I guess a really bad nightmare, and I woke up, and I always had my bedroom door closed, but in this time when I was actually trying to reach for like my doorknob, I couldn't not find my doorknob at all. It was really weird, and, like, I remember shouting and screaming and hollering as, like, you know, like a little kid would, and then, like, my mom came in, like, I don't know, God knows how long it was, five, ten minutes, and then it was just, like, that's so weird, like, because, you know, you're feeling the wall, you feel where the door is, but you just can't find the doorknob, and then, um, and then, uh, Basically, it kind of went into this weird stuff with, like, a Ouija board, which I did, like, once, <laughs> I think, once or twice. And then um, then it went into the whole uh, weird experiences from the Thomas Dairy Farm, basically, which I think I told you about. Right. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. How'd that go down? So, I guess originally, um, I'll just start sort of at the beginning. So, like, the first time I went to my friend's house, or that house, I should say, at the time. Um, I just remember hearing footsteps coming up the stairs, and, like, at the time, there it was just him upstairs. Like, there was nobody else. Um, 
there was like a spare room, uh, another spare room that had like kid toys in it because uh, his mother used to do like babysitting and stuff. But really, the only bedroom that was occupied up there was just him. And so I remember asking my friend like, like, what the hell was that? Because like, you know, it's like, is somebody like, is your sister trying to mess with us or something? It's like, no, 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 go to sleep, my friend would say. And then this big crash happened. And I just remember just waking up and I go, and I, I was like, dude, if you want me to go to sleep, I want to know what the hell is going on right now. <laughs> so the next morning, yeah. that big crash was basically like this marble table set. Like, you know, the type of marble table set where you put the, the marble top on the platform. So like, you really need yeah. like two people. Yeah, this thing looked like somebody like kind of, took their hands underneath it and kind of wailed it up. Okay. Oh, so yeah, like brought it up and then dropped it back down. Like really. Heavy. Yeah. Like almost did like a flip, yeah. like they flipped it off. Cause like, or flipped it over kind of like they were angry or something. Oh shit. Okay. So yeah, I just was, all I was going to say is um, just kind of painting a picture here. So we're still on, this is experience that you had when you were a kid, right? The first two instances at home. Now you're, this is, was at a friend's house when you were a little bit older. Yep. And this is, this like, um, Thomas Dairy Farm. Is that a, is that a known spot in Vermont or? Is that a what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is that a, is that a, like a popular spot or is this just like a, a friend's um, house? This is called. just a friend's house, really. This okay. is like, this is where like the family lived while working on the farm, basically. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Man. So, all right. So as you get you know, time goes on, is this kind of, do you take these experiences and you remember them through your teen years or did things keep happening? And when did you get into actually uh, organizing some sort of paranormal group or investigation? So, so Thomas Derry basically happened around fourth grade-ish. And then um, basically I didn't really do much of anything until... October of 2011, which um, was where I captured that image that I showed you last time from the cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and feel free to use those to post up if you would like, so that way people can see, like, what we're sort of talking about. So, anyway, yeah. we just, yeah, so it was basically like October 28th or something like that, like right before Halloween. And, uh, and, you know, it's right when, or right before the veil of the world opens up so the dead can walk the earth for a couple of days, you know, stuff like that. So we just figured for, you know, for shits and giggles that we would just go and explore and see what we caught. And we went to that cemetery, which is in Chittenden, and I want to say it's Baird Cemetery, B-A-I-R-D. And I could actually feel that spirit captured on that image. So I told my friend to kind of move and take a picture um, to my left, his right. And that's what we captured. Cemetery. Okay. And that was in, so that was Halloween 2011. You guys went out. Yep. You just kind of said, why not? And you just went for it and you got that picture. Yep. Okay. It was actually that picture that started the whole chat between the uh, starting a paranormal group. 
Okay, awesome. Yeah, so then you guys, what was your next move? So after that Halloween, when you got some evidence around, um, where'd you go from there? Uh, well, from there we went to, like, Hubberton Battlefield. We went to yep. the train wreck that happened here in Vermont. Um, I forgot to even look up the town right now, but I know it's, like, West, uh, uh, no, I'm not even going to say a town name because I really forget, but it's somewhere, I believe, around Stowe, Vermont, somewhere around there. I know it's not okay. in Stowe, but it's somewhere around that na- general neighborhood. But anyway, yeah, so we went there to see if we could uh, hear, like, the old train or something or people screaming from, like, the burning fire or something because, you know, it was a pretty bad train accident that happened. And, uh, so from there we went to like some people's houses who would want us to come in and try to see if we could collect anything. Um, and then we just kind of went to like other small little places. Another big one that we hit was, uh, Emily's bridge. Um, that was very interesting. And, um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to give the, uh, give the audience a little info on what Emily's, that's a popular one, um, but you know, obviously not everybody knows about it. A little rundown on what the theories are there. Oh, about God. Bridge. So, there's quite a few, so the popular one, though, is like, the lady named Emily uh, was supposed to elope with her soon-to-be husband at the time, and they're and this is where, depending on who you talk to, this is where the story changes. So one way is the parents actually killed him, and that's why he never showed up. So that's why she hung herself. The other one is basically like he actually crashed on his way to get her, and that's why he never made it, basically. Um, okay. So she basically hung herself on the bridge, and supposedly her ghost is the one that haunts the, uh, yeah. yeah, and did you, now when you were there, did you have a, a chilling experience? Did, was it, did you capture anything at the bridge? Oh, yeah, we captured quite a bit, actually. So, when we first arrived there, um, we captured photo evidence right away of, like, this weird mist in the bridge, and then a couple photos actually look like um, there's some sort of apparition going on. And it's really, uh, what I find really weird too is like, if you look at book covers, like there's um, there's a book called uh, The Vermont Ghost Guide by Joseph Citro, which is actually getting an updated version. But the old book cover has... Um, like an illustration of the author or the illustrator of uh, Emily Bridge, and he also put the ghost. Like if you're looking at the bridge, her her ghost would have been on the right side, and that's where the image was of whatever this apparition was on at the bridge. Uh, yeah. From there, we tried to test out all the series, like like uh, not being able to start your car if you stop it on the bridge. If, um, scratches, uh, like, you name it, we tried it, basically, and we succeeded on getting scratched, 
Uh, well, I don't know if you want to say succeeded, like, as a good thing, but, you know. You got um, what you were looking for, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, we got scratched. Uh, the car even got scratched. Um, the car was able to start on, so we kind of, you know, kind of either debunked or, yeah, kind of skeptical yeah. about that. Um, what else did we do? Or, oh, the very interesting thing, which I kind of have video of it, but you can't see it, but I still wanted to show it as, like, a video, like, as we're trying to do it, just to show people, like, like, the evidence of what's really going on, so, and that is, we were able to see our own breath, and it was, like, almost 70 degrees, and you don't see your breath at, like, around 70 degrees. Right. I, when you were you were all on the bridge, right? Correct. This happened? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. and my friend pulled out his phone. He went to the weather, and basically I showed it in the video of, like, what the temperature was that night. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, when these things happen, when these encounters go down, it's really crazy, the the whole circumstances around the event the universe kind of does its own thing. And then in your little, in your bubble right there on the bridge, you know, that it just kind of surrounds you. And for that time when you're there, you, you're seeing your breath regardless of 70 degrees. It just really, it gets you thinking. It, it really does because it makes you wonder, like, um, what are you really dealing with? Like, is it really, like, this lady or is it something else? And right. And the reason why I say that is, um, so during that investigation, I didn't, I, we didn't, we couldn't catch any EVP because of, unfortunately, the water underneath the bridge was just too much for the recordings. So if we even did EVP, that's an electronic voice phenomenon. Correct. Anybody who doesn't. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so uh, we tried to do those, but unfortunately, because of the water underneath the bridge, it basically was just, you know, like, you might as well just trash it, because you can't can't really hear anything except for the water, unfortunately. Um, And that, I think, uh, do you, oh, so... um, so the reason why I said if there was something out there, like how I kind of said it, like made you wonder if it was more than just like the female there, is because after we got back home, I ended up finding this photograph that I zoomed in, and it looked like there's a very tall man in the middle of the bridge. And you can clearly see in the photo that I have of this, like, a face, like, almost like he's wearing some sort of hat or something, but he's very tall. And I find it really interesting that nobody had mentioned him. And and I'm saying him because this definitely is a man, a male. And I'm wondering if, like, I almost created my own theory, which is, I think it's the man that is doing all the scratching. And it's actually Emily that is trying to uh, warn people to kind of, like, leave. Because in the photo, it's almost like she's pointing at, like, like behind us, which is the way we came from. Kind of like saying, like, uh, you need to go back that way. 
And some spirits are like that, though. Some are actually trying to help you while others are here to harm you or both. Depends on, um, I guess, the spirit's mood, I guess. I mean, I don't really know how to how to word that properly, so. Yeah. Something that this is um, a thought that I'm getting now is, you know, it makes me think about the title that you've given to, I don't know if it's one part of Vermont or the whole place, but the spirit capital of the universe. Actually, spirit capital of the universe isn't from me. It's actually a the last uh, wine that this guy did back in the 1800s when he or 1900s or something like that, somewhere around that neighborhood, when he came from New York here to Vermont to debunk this uh, two brothers named the Eddie brothers, and because he could not debunk them. He basically said Vermont is like the spirit capital of the universe. Yeah. So the Eddie brothers, I listened to that episode of, oh yeah, Paul hosts, um, or co-hosts, you know, it's you and... Uh, host. host. Host and co-host. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, I heard the story of uh, the Ed- Eddie brothers today. Man, that's that's a creepy one. Um, which I don't know how many people have heard about that. Is that... You want to tell us a little, get into that a little bit? <laughs> oh boy, where to begin with the Yeti brothers? Oh man. So I guess a rundown real quick. A short version would be like, so these brothers, when they were young, they got sold to the circus by their family, and they actually traveled the world because they were. Um, well, let me before I say this next part. Did so you heard that episode? Of yeah. the Yeti Brothers, so you heard my EVP that I captured then, right? Yes, I did, actually. So, um, the way, I, uh, before I get to that EVP there, uh, let me just say, let me just finish this. So, so the way I, uh, I guess you could say got corrected by one of the brothers is, I'm going to say they were gifted. So that's why they were different, and their family sold them to the circus, which made them travel the world. But when they got done with the circus, they came back here uh, to Vermont in Chittenden, and they settled down, and they opened up their own inn, which I believe was called the Green Mountain Inn um, at the time. But if you were to stay the night there, like for a room or whatever, they would actually perform for you. And they had different type of uh, performances and like really I, the, like the best way I can really get to, uh, say about this is look up a book for and this is gold for everybody listening besides uh, Kobe here but look up a book called People from the Other World by Henry Steele and that book it has basically his whole entire experience from when he came from New York to try to debunk the brothers. So he brought carpenters, electricians, you name it. Like anybody he could think of that could help debunk the Eddie brothers, he brought along. And in this book, he drew and recorded everything that he witnessed and what he did to try to debunk them. And it's like the best way I can tell you. (laughs) To check them out. 
It's a pretty gruesome shit those guys went through. And- I, I forget which one right now, so I'm just going to say one of the brothers would go into a trance, and what he would do is he would go into this little tiny um, box, I guess, I um, where he would sit down, and he would not want anybody to interfere with him. And then when he had it in control, somebody would just walk out of the this box and it could be it could have been an indian it could have been this old lady like it could have been some relative that uh belonged to somebody who was staying at the end like it was crazy and uh, yeah (laughs) then there's like honto's caveman with that that is even more crazy and basically, same same idea. He would uh, one of the brothers would go into this cave, and like these Indians would just come walking out of the cave. And people went into the cave to even see if these people were even inside it, and they weren't there, so they couldn't even debunk it. So where these Indian people, whoever came walking out of Honto Cave, big mystery. So, the legend would be. That these guys would actually go, the brothers would go into the cave and they wouldn't come out possessed by the Indians, but other fa- other people would, like in addition to them. So like another guy would come out and just clear us day. Yeah, it wouldn't just like like I would I would hate to kind of say the word another guy, but like it would just be him going into the cave. So he would be in the cave alone. And then whoever he was trying to uh, 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 summon, summon sub, yeah. uh, to come forward to walk out to talk to everybody, um, that's who would appear. So, like, it's just Indian. Okay, so something would appear. That's what That was my question. Yeah, something yeah, else yeah. Would yeah, so, like, if he wanted to summon an Indian to come talk to his crowd, he basically would summon some Indian. And he would walk out, talk to you like uh, you and I are talking, and and then just, uh, you know, disappear at some point in time. So, um, so again, I'll just say People from the Other World by Henry Steele Call is definitely the book that... It, Anybody who doesn't know the Eddie brothers should definitely read and look into because yeah. um, that, like I said, that that guy came to Vermont because he wanted to debunk the brothers because they got popular, and he just couldn't debunk the brothers. And that Absolutely. book has all his notes, all the drawings that he witnessed, everything. Yeah, people can uh, look into those guys more for sure. Um, so kind of some more questions. So with your work, you know, you have the, you've got a lot, man, a lot going on with the, you know, Haunted Vermont has its own YouTube channel. Um, I've been calling it VIPA, you know, Vermont Investigators of Paranormal Activity. Yep. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you have the website too. Um, but on, so you can, you have, you know, your short films on Haunted Vermont YouTube, which are great, by the way, I just watched like. The Passenger, um, Terror Trail, good stuff, dude. Um, but with on Vipa, there that's kind of more where you have the the investigation, the evidence. The evidence. Yeah, so you kind of um, you know like I watched today, 
the one in your buddy Kyle Woodard's apartment. Um, so what, when I bring that up, what comes to mind as like just like an experience from those investigations that stuck with you? Like to give us a rundown of one of those nights or whatever, whatever comes to mind for you, really. Okay, so that I I really like uh, being at Kyle's place, and that's because and I kind of hate YouTube for this. And since technology back then wasn't the greatest, too, um, it's really hard to see. But but it like it, with the original uh, video footage, which I don't even have anymore, but I still. Um, remember it but depending on which video you've seen if um if it was the one where kyle is like kind of reaching out kind of like hey, can you touch me and then he kind of like like he like jerks back like he got touched like yeah. and when i kind of like moved the camera but it's really hard to see but you can almost it's it's if you can maybe look close enough or whatever, but it, it's really interesting. But that part, I actually captured a little small orb that actually shot to him right as he kind of reacted like somebody tucked him. So it was very cool to see that. And, like, I've gotten some weird EVPs from that apartment, too. Like, we got the famous, like, get out and hello and stuff like that but like you know nothing really seemed threatening there so it's it's weird so i guess the apartment has its own mood as i call it because you just don't know if you're gonna get there on a good day or a bad day would you agree i guess that locations can have more of an effect can have their own effect, right? It can be like a certain place could be more like a portal than somewhere else, as opposed to being haunted by an actual spirit of an individual. You mean like a, almost like a residual haunting, in a way? Yeah, right. That that it kind of because uh, through kind of my own ex- you know different experiences I've had around, I feel I feel like different places can be more like a portal to the other side, and things kind of come and go through it. If you know what I mean. Oh, I think I do know what you mean. So, yeah. if, 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 kind of like the Thomas Dares. So, what, what I find very interesting, and I actually talked to my buddy a couple of years ago when we did a, uh, episode for him. And, like, what I find really weird is, um, so, my my friend had all these experiences, and then when he left, all that experiences stopped, and it never occurred, even with the new people that there. So, me and my friend were thinking, well, maybe it stopped because they left, or did it stop because it's not really a one-family house anymore? Well... I don't even know if it even be in you anymore because Thomas Derry got shut down, unfortunately. Right. But but that house um, did get turned into like a three-family complex house or apartment or however you want to call it. So it um, makes me wonder if because there's so many people now that lived in that house, if that's why it stopped. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, that's definitely, there's something to be said for that, you know. 
you can change the uh, changing the structure of the location could mean to spirits that times have changed and it's time to leave because it doesn't hold the same passion that it used to. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, another another example that I could possibly give you with this is like the Hubbardton Battlefield. So I've been there quite a few times for night investigations, you could say. And each time I go there, I either get a lot of activity or absolutely nothing. But or, or maybe just like a slight little pinch, if you know what I mean. Like example, um, me and a couple friends went there one night, and we just stood still out in the tall grass because um, they don't really mow all the grass. They just mow, like, a little path and stuff like that. But anyway, so felt like soldiers came walking up to us or somebody, I'm just going to say. Like, I, I feel more soldiers because, um, because at one point, when we look down, and I'm just going to say again for the uh, note, none of us moved at all yet. So as we look down, the grass around us is all of a sudden flat, almost like somebody like fell onto the ground and just like completely made the grass flat. And it just was like all around us. And we're just like, uh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what the hell? And then, um, as you're saying, Portal, though, the only thing that comes to mind from that place is there, I've only seen this once. And I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, but the, the building that there that does like the, uh, the history lessons and stuff there, like the tours, um, that at one point glowing red, and I don't know if it was just a light that was in there or not. But then when I went there before again at nighttime, there's absolutely no red lights in the building, so it makes me wonder what the hell was going on with this glowing red light because it also seemed like the white was trying to make its way to the front entrance of the building to almost like uh, maybe walk outside and like I don't know come at us or something like I like I just don't know like it's really weird and um, then yeah. there's then there's just like other times where you know we hear different noises and uh, I did a spirit box session one time and caught EVPs. I caught um, EMF stuff. It's, it's, it's just, that place is crazy. That's the Hubberton Battlefield? Correct. Correct, yeah. Dude, speaking of uh, glowing red lights, um, Black Agnes, I was listening to that, too. <laughs> and that's kind of on the same topic of uh, places rather than people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you you investigated uh where was that at? Do you remember? That's in Montpelier. I didn't actually investigate it, but uh it okay. is it is located in the Green Mount Cemetery in Montpelier. Green Mount Cemetery. Oh, yeah, people can check that out. Yeah. And that is one statue out of three statues of Black Agus. 
And what is a black agus? Well, so supposedly that is her name. Um, and the story is basically like um, something happened to the or something, <laughs> or like a man, or something, like, it's really, it's, it's all over the place, this one's all over the place, too, like, um, it's supposed to be, like, a man, and not a female, but it's a female, instead of a man, and, oh, God, but anyway, <laughs> the point is, the point is, like, legend is, she represents, like, bad things to happen. And her legend basically is that you are brave enough to sit on her lap, then you have seven days to possibly get into a bad accident or something worse or death. And there was apparently three students that went to the college around Green Mount Cemetery, which I think it was like the University of Vermont, who uh, thought they were brave enough. One person uh, got into a really bad car accident. Another person fell and like broke their leg or something. And then another one almost drowned in a canoe. And uh, they highly suggest if you're pregnant, do not sit on her lap. And, um, in a weird way, she, uh, she acts just like Bloody Mary, where if you say Black Agus three times in the mirror, you'll get dragged down to hell. God, that's, yeah, it's crazy shit. Just all right in this little state of Vermont. It's just, you know, it's a lot to take in when you hear about it all. But, um, so <clears throat> these days, um, you're doing the podcast you're not going out in the field as much. Um, yeah, I haven't done that in a couple of years now. Yeah, yeah, but the yeah. Uh, the short films, man. You're um, so in addition to the investigations and the uh, the writing that you've done, it seems like you're actually kind of getting your own little. I don't mean little, but like your own director's thing going on for like short horror films. How's that been going? Um. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's a interesting experience, but. Yeah. Um, the way I look at it is I would like to try to create short films based on actual urban legends or myths or real cases from Vermont, like, um, the passenger, that was an old urban legend or folklore that I heard when I was little. Don't ask me who, where I heard it from, but right. nobody seemed to know it. So I was just like, well, since I kind of know a little bit of the details, I'll bring it to life. And did, uh, so I did. And um, for Terror Trail, well, uh, so the, the idea behind that is, and I can't take all the credit, but like, because I'm, I was a co-writer. Uh, my other friend, Tristan Knott, was the main writer for it. But I just basically told him an idea of what I was trying to do. And he basically wrote it up and stuff like that, but, so, Terror Trail is actually based on two real Vermont cases. One took place on December 1st, 1946, with a 18-year-old by the name Paula Weldon, who went missing around the Benetton Triangle. She was last seen, like, around the parking lot of where Glastonbury Mountains is, 
and she was wearing red. So, and there is a legend saying if you wear red in the woods, you may disappear. So, that was part of the idea at the end of Terror Trail, where me, me and my friend, or me and that guy there, are portraying the two people who basically think, you know, we're brave enough, and we don't think that if you wear red in the woods, we're going to disappear. Um, basically, the idea. Uh, my fiancé and my daughter actually played the role of a real case that happened October 12, 1950, where this eight-year-old boy went well, I don't want to say went missing, but vanished uh, around his mother's truck when her mother was attending, like, the hogs on a farm. And the eight-year-old boy was just playing around her truck, basically, before he disappeared. And it got so big that the family of uh, them actually got Vermont police and New Hampshire police to come and do a uh, uh, search and rescue for the eight-year-old boy, which they didn't find anything. Jeez, so within the Benning, Bennington Triangle there, um, you know, everybody could speculate. It could be something supernatural, or, you know, you've also, I know within your work, you've explored the idea of uh, Bigfoot the Sasquatch legend, is that kind of, do you lean towards that theory as far as these disappearances go, or is it supernatural? Where do you stand on that? Um, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's Bigfoot. I mean, for all we I know, it could be the Vermont Wendigo. It could be the Vermont Dogman. It could be the Vermont Pigman. Um, you know, a lot of weird Things have happened around the Bennington Triangle, which if anybody is not familiar with Bennington Triangle, but if you do know the Bridgewater Triangle, which is from Massachusetts, the the Bennington Triangle is basically similar to the Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah. Basically, anything paranormal and shit is right there in this triangle. So, with the passenger... um I, I saw the movie. Uh, the effect you used made like showed that it was a long time ago, so this must be like 1800s. Um, he gets uh, mistress pregnant. They kill her, um, but people still see her walking, man. So like, I'm just thinking right now, if that was in the same area and kids are going missing, could the victim of that, you know, could the victim of that crime have something to do with this? That's actually not in the same area. That not is actually same- all right. So I was, that is, yeah, I was doing my own investigation, but we yeah, more about that. that uh that is actually in West Rutland. Okay. So so that's like a uh a five minute drive from where I am, basically. Yeah. If you heard of the West Rutland Marsh, which is like a swampy area, but you can actually go there and like um go on this little bridge thing that takes you out into the swamp, basically. It's like a little tourist area, in a way. But uh, that's where supposedly this tale resides on. On top of um, the ending of the movie, where if you kind of 
saw the camera pointing at the swamp, and then you hear, like, that ghostly laugh. Mm-hmm. That's actually supposed to resemble voices over the swamp. Because voices. because people have uh, uh, reported hearing voices over the swampy water. Okay. And then in addition to that, the voices, the legend now, um, is that on that road, and I'm not as familiar with the area, but in West Rutland, going towards the town of Whipple Hollow, um, yep. you can still see you can still see the ghost of uh, the woman who was the victim. Right, and the way that ended, since you brought up Whipple Hollow, Whipple Hollow used to supposedly be an old town that was booming back in the day of the marble industry. And then something happened so that the people of Whipple Hollow basically packed up their stuff and completely left and deserted the town. Is the legend on that one. And that's all that's all we know to this day? Basically. And I tried actually looking uh having a West Rutland Historical Society uh tell me anything about that and they just think it's just a legend there's no such thing as a ghost town in uh whipple hall so whoever made that story i don't know could there have yeah. been a town or could there not have been a town I'm thinking <laughs> i know a lot to take in <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah if you want to ask me my favorite location that would have to probably be uh oh god <laughs> My favorite location would have to have been a long time ago, Thomas, the Thomas Farm, for sure, because so much stuff has happened there where I kind of wish I could, like, you know, go back in time and smack myself and be like, tell, tell my mom, like, kind of like, like, you know, like I'm talking to my younger self, like, tell my mom to get me a camcorder so I can bring it yeah. to his house. Because of all the evidence that I could have caught from the Thomas Dairy Farm man, I I mean, it, it basically was paranormal gold mine. It really yeah. was. Like doors opening, shutting, everything. You name it. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I uh, it's actually kind of funny how this worked. So I just moved. Right, I live up in Vermont myself. Um, but I'm recording here from from Massachusetts. Oh, that's cool. Because I needed Wi-Fi. Um, and this house was built in 1776, I told you. But it's kind of like a... It's definitely like a Thomas Dairy Farm in a sense. Because the room that I'm actually in was the... Uh, it was a hospital. And, um, oh, boy. And, you know, yeah, and so over on the other side there, there's actually a side door where they would bring people out when they passed on. And um, in this house, the main spirit that... um. A lot of my other family members have seen and certain people and coming and going was actually a uh, this girl. It's hard, you know, with that much history, it's hard to find exact, you know, names and people and stuff. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, with my experience with it, um, just upstairs here, I was actually, I was probably about eight or nine, you know, right around there. And uh, it was like, <clears throat> it was... You got a cat or something? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know how that is. No worries. Um, but anyway, I'm getting ready. It's uh, I was going to bed one night, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm walking around upstairs trying to... Uh, I'm just looking for my mom. 
she's in uh, it's pretty it's a sizable house and she was on the other side so yeah i'm upstairs in this house old house um i'm looking for my mom uh and i go into uh now i go into her room and um and i'm calling for her trying to get her attention i see her there standing at her desk facing out towards the road but she's not turning around right okay. and so in my brain I'm, and it's kind of it was kind of funny anyway because she had this like a white kind of night dress on and you know it's not the olden days so what's going on there and um and then after a minute or so she's not turning around and i hear her call back to me but she's on the other side of the house not the person that i'm looking at and she's in the room with both of my siblings oh no know. Right, yeah. And, uh, and so that one, that one really stuck with me, man. And, uh, you know, I was reading some of your stuff today, and you said that it's more, more, things are more provable when there's multiple accounts of the same, the same uh, instance where you see or hear the same thing. Yep. And uh, that, so that figure that I saw in my brain, I'm trying to make sense of it as seeing my mom or my sister, but that I can hear they're both talking to me and it's not them. A lot of other people have seen that same, that same girl, that same female mm. here in this house. So, um, so do you think she's like an old nurse then? She could be, yeah. Um, apparently, you know, I was just little then, so I, you know, she was bigger to me. But uh, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Yeah, she could be. It could be a nurse. Could be to someone who lives here. Because um, when my mom sees her, she says the girl. Um, mm. <clears throat> so like she's younger. So I'm really. Wondering what the story is there. That would be interesting if the uh, historic, uh, the historic society around there would know anything else. Yeah, definitely have to look into it more. Like they do know that it was the hospital, and uh, Hmm. I have to, I have to ask around a bit about what other people I've seen here. But definitely from that, you know, yeah. Aside from that, you know, people uh, I've heard things. You know, doors Mm -hmm. slammed shut. Oh, the whole nine yards. All the gold mines. <laughs> yeah, it's the gold yeah. mine. Yeah, I'd love to yeah, get some equipment in here someday. Maybe we can uh, talk more about that later on. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, since you mentioned hospital. So this this had my brain thinking, and for the longest time, I, I never thought of this. It was somebody that volunteered for uh, Pittsburgh Haunted House. And um, that used to be an old hospital as well. It used to be like the Calvary uh hospital back in the day where they would treat patients with tuberculosis and um so supposedly there was a nurse there right that was uh named mary which is really interesting because another story is um in pittsford which is not that far from the pittsford haunted house is the vermont uh state police academy where they train, like, their newest uh, officers and stuff like that. Anyway, that used to be an old, like, um, hospital or something, too. And which is really weird, because there's another story there that involved a nurse named Mary as well. And so the police academy story basically is, like, if you weren't feeling good and if you would go, down in the academy uh supposedly you would wake up and there's a cup of medicine and a drink by your bedside almost like the nurse came to take care of you 
And then in the Pittsburgh Haunted House one, it basically like this nurse Mary who was uh, trying to help treat kids or whoever that had that dreadful disease there, the tuberculosis, um, she caught it and died from it. And weird because it's just like, you know, um, you hear these stories of like um, from people who go through the haunted house where they're like, yeah, that nurse that was on that staircase, uh, she was very good. She was very like believable and like the, um, my friend who told me the story would be like, uh, we don't have a nurse on that staircase because that staircase that she saw her on. It's not allowed to, it's like, it's off limit to people that go through the house. So only people who volunteer can have access to that. Yeah, so she blends. Uh, that's crazy, though, how she just blends in, man. Yikes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that made me, you know, we're not going to, I'm realizing there's a lot to cover, and we definitely do a part two. But that makes me think of, uh, I was listening to another Everything Horror today. With the, uh, I, th- I want to say it's called the Wilson Castle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, and that's the same deal. It's in Vermont. Um, uh, and people, but they just say they'll be driving up to it, and they'll see, um, they're like, is this place open, right? And up in the window, there's they'll a lady. They'll see somebody the there. Yep. Yeah, I've been looking down at her. They go up, and then the dress is in the room. Yeah. If you yeah, ever get window. a chance to see that castle in person, do it. It's, oh yeah, I'm gonna be looking. Yeah, definitely. It's it's very very beautiful inside. A lot of history, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'll be definitely hitting up some of these spots. Um, but yeah, dude, just kind of you know with the with this on the blue coyote, what we do here, you know, we're big. I'm big on a uh, spirituality and just kind of in a society that I think gets wrapped up in the uh, in our physical world a lot. I think. The paranormal is a great segue for a lot of people to kind of understand that uh, this other side that some people experience is something that we're all connected to. And just because, you know, it might seem your reality might seem really rooted in uh, in the the science of things or whatever you want. You know, like I said, the physical realm, but uh, through these paranormal experiences that we just can't explain, I think that kind of opens up everybody's uh third eye to what's uh, really going on here it is it's very it is very cool and once you kind of start learning more about this other realm um it can be dangerous and it can be quite friendly at the same time depends on uh what you come in contact with basically and uh you know like me and this other guy uh you know, actually, you you heard the Wilson Castle story, so you heard the paranormal investigator there that I had on, Steve. He was talking about how, uh, you know, the spirits should be able to feel you out. So if you don't feel right to them, they're going to maybe lash out at you. But if you seem chill, then they're going to treat you with respect. And I actually, honestly, 100% feel like that need to be more uh, told because, yeah, I mean, you don't want to disrespect the dead. That's why, like, even every time I go to a cemetery 
and if I accidentally walk, like, maybe possibly be walking on somebody, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm just, like, I don't mean to be walking on you, kind of thing. Absolutely, man, and that's, yeah, exactly, that's what I was saying there, is that all of this, you know, these spirits, that energy that you're putting out, whoever that was, they can recognize that you are, you're not trying to disrespect Another cool thing that a lot of people don't know about before we wrap things up, because it sounds like you're trying to find a closure too. <laughs> uh, another <laughs> cool thing that I didn't actually know, and um, it was actually from a website called Only in Your State. So apparently in Middlebury, there's a cemetery there. And inside the cemetery is home. Uh, the the resting place of a baby Egyptian, meaning yeah, meaning like this this uh, mummy of a baby came over from Egypt and was supposedly in a museum back at the time, and then these people came and bought the mummy from the museum or something, so that way they could give the baby a resting place. And it's just just one of those weird things where it's just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying we have an Egyptian here in Vermont, like, buried here? And sure enough, yes, we do. So That's that's nothing to mess around with. Between all this crazy stuff going on in those woods, man. Yeah, I'll have to send you the uh, the photo of his grave. I'll say I'll forward you it uh, after this phone call so you can see it. Yeah, it's no, very interesting. I just had uh, that made me think of one other thing. We'll, you know, we'll wrap up, but there's, you know <laughs> this uh, this grave. Um, this guy, my uh, my girlfriend showed me something about it. It's in a cemetery in Vermont, and. The, uh, he was buried, but he had glass put over ah, the grave. I know yeah. exactly who you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. Oh shit. <laughs> I can't think yeah, of his name. Like yeah, he had the lantern down there, and you know the legend is you go there at the right time, and you still see it glowing. Yep. And yeah. then, um, so basically, that story basically is so this guy, which unfortunately I can't remember his name right now. But he he was so afraid of dying and waking up, kind of like, uh, you know, we hear the story where we think somebody's dead. Back in the old days, somebody's dead and they're actually not dead, so they get buried. And then, actually, he they just got buried alive. So he wanted to take that extra measure by making his cemetery uh, plot like a underground uh, room. Whereas he woke up and he wasn't dead, he could ring a bell to let people know that he was still alive. It's crazy. When I first heard, that was kind of like, when I first heard about that, I've been wanting to do a video there. Um, yeah, crazy shit out there. Ah, I found it. So, before we go, um, if you have your phone right by you, I have yep. the image. So... Let me see what you think of this. Um, where are you? There you are. All right, sending it right now. I am curious to see what you see. I, I did try to do my best to take the picture so you can see it, but take a look at that. 
I I did do the captain so that you can see uh, read what exactly uh, the t- the the tombstone says. Yeah, so it's a picture of where this the Egyptian baby was buried, right? Yep. And in Middlebury. It's and for those listening, it's in West Cemetery in Middlebury. But yeah, in the captain, it basically says right. West Cemetery holds the remains of Amun her something Egyptian because holy crap. Right. Uh, who passed away and was mummified for all of eternity. The mummy was the infant son of Shen the third king of Egypt, and his wife. So basically, right. it's the son of a king of Egypt that is buried right. in Middlebury. This is in Middlebury. Yep, and I did find a story Stone. of that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, people can definitely check that out. That's on, uh, links to it are on Haunted Vermont, Paul's Instagram, uh, his YouTube channel, same name, uh, VIPA, Vermont Investigations of Paranormal Activity. Um, Paul, dude, it's been great. Really, thank you for taking the time. Hey, um, thank you for having me. I'm always, I always like talking about the paranormal for some weird reason. <laughs> yeah. Likewise, man. I'm, I'm definitely glad we could set this up, and uh, we'll be in touch more, and we can do something else, maybe a part two, or... Uh, We'll figure it out, man. Thanks for coming exactly. on. We'll figure it out. Yeah, thank you for having me again. It was fun. It was, like I said, it's fun talking about it because sometimes when you even re-talk about certain things, you almost start to rethink of other theories. Yeah. <laughs> it just it gets, it gets the ball rolling again, man. No, nothing it does. cool stuff. Yeah. All right, well, Paul. Yeah. Um, that's Blue Coyote Podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you again.